I first give honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who uh, paid a bloody covenant, a bloody ransom for my wretched soul, who uh, was righteous in every way, who was perfect and holy and pure. And he traded places with me, a sinner. And I thank God for Jesus. I give him praise and honor for allowing me to be here tonight. I, I want to ask you one final time, if you please stand. For the reading of the word of God from Luke chapter 19, verses 12 through 15. Luke chapter 19, verses 12 through 15. And it reads, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Amen. You may be seated. First of all, I'd like to uh, thank Brother Carlton for that gracious introduction. Um, I always say if I was half the man as uh, the, the introduction was, I'd be somebody. Um, but the pastors who, who get together and to help plan uh, the Big Serve and help plan this Big Serve in particular this weekend, uh, they told me at the last meeting uh, that they decided for me to preach the sermon tonight. And uh, my first reaction was, uh, uh, that's what I get for showing up late. Um, but when they told me that, I, I had no idea uh, where I would be coming from in the Bible, where I would preach from. But I knew immediately what the title of the sermon would be. Uh, that's because pa Pastor Carlton had... Uh, Share it with us about what happened when he went over to Constantine Elementary early on in the planning process. And he had told us how the school officials uh, began to walk him through the inside of the school and around the outside of the school um, and to show him all the work that needed to be done at the school. And he said that that when he looked at things, he, he said he shared with us how it quickly he started to look like an overwhelming task. Particularly considering uh, the number of projects and all the materials that were going to be needed to complete those projects. But then he said that he was led into a classroom where a handful of children were gathered around a piano and they were singing the song, This Little Light of Mine. And he said that it, it spoke to him, it, it ministered to him. And he said, OK, Lord, I see what you're saying. I understand why we're here. 
And, and it's as if he was saying, uh, you know, if these children can look past their circumstances and give God glory in song, then we can look past our circumstances and give God glory in service. This little light of mine is my subject this afternoon. For believers, our greatest desire is to one day hear the Savior say the words, well done. Every day, every moment, every decision, every action we take, we should be conducting ourselves in a way that would lead to that great day when we stand before the Lord. And to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. It's just two little words, but it, it is the expression of God's approval. What are we doing that God might approve of us? Jesus said, let your light so shine among men that they might see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. He's saying that the purpose, the end goal of all of our good works is so that God will be glorified, not us, God. Let your light so shine. The way that we hear those two words, well done, is that we live our lives in a way that glorifies God. Let your light shine. In two places, in Matthew 25 and in Luke 19, Jesus tells the parable of a man traveling into a far country. And he's going to claim his kingdom and then return again. And Jesus begins by saying that the kingdom of heaven is like. And whenever Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like, what follows are principles about salvation, about what God did to uh, give us salvation, what we do to obtain salvation, and what he expects of those of us who have obtained salvation. Jesus said this man was preparing to travel into a far country, and he called his own servants unto himself. And he gave each of them talents. And in Matthew, it says that he gave the first one five talents. And he gave the second one two talents. And he gave the third one one talent. That says is he didn't leave anybody out. He didn't leave anybody out. That tells me that there are no servants who have zero talents. Every servant of God has talent. Every servant of God has a place in ministry. Every servant of God is capable of glorifying God and is expected to glorify God. I think about all the people who were there helping yesterday and how every one of us was needed to make the day the success that it was. Every one of us. It's tempting to ask, uh, why didn't the nobleman give each of the servants the same amount of talents? I was looking around yesterday at men like Thomas and Seth and Jason and Ryan and uh, several others. And I was thinking that when God was handing out manliness, these guys took my share. <laughs> the Bible says that he gave to each man according to his own ability. 
Many of us might be tempted to ask, why can't I do what my neighbor does? Why didn't God make me taller or stronger or smarter or faster? The question is not, why can't I do what my neighbor does? The question is, what am I doing with the light that God has given me? What should we be doing with that light? The nobleman said to his servants, occupy until I come. (coughs) Occupy means to busy yourself. At the age of 12, Jesus said to his mother, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? We should be ever busy using the talents that God has given us. We should be busy letting our lights shine first in our homes Then in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our churches, at our jobs, and throughout all of this community. That's the whole point of God giving us light. Jesus asked the question, do you light a candle and hide it under a bush? No. No, God forbid. He said, let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works. And glorify your father, which is in heaven. Everything I do, every part of my life should be colored by the faith that I have in Jesus Christ. My relationship with my wife and my children, the way that I act when I'm working and playing, the way I respond to my enemies when I'm attacked. The things I look at on the TV and on the computer when nobody else is around. My faith should guide everything I do, everywhere I go, every moment of my life. The purpose of the light that God has given us is to let it shine everywhere we go so that men might be drawn to Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. I am so thankful that God placed me into contact with real Christians, real men of faith. My my deacon, we were at. Bible study the other night and my deacon was teaching Bible study and he asked a question. He said, how many friends do you have? And, you know, the first temptation is to think about how many people you have uh, friended on Facebook. Uh, That number is not very accurate, people. (laughs) But then you have to preface the question with what do you mean by friend? And friend is somebody who you feel like you can call on at any time for anything. Uh, The person who won't uh, see your number on the caller ID and not answer. When I thought about that question, my first response was to say, I think I have 40, 50, 60 friends. But when you think about that definition of friend. It cuts the list way down. It cuts the list way down. But I tell you, I believe I have in this room real friends. I have people who I believe I can call on at midnight. And they'll say, what do you need, brother? And they'll come to my aid. It's a blessing to be around real Christians. The purpose... Of the light that God has given us is to glorify God and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. God will never try to get out of you what's not in you. He knows what's in you. He'll never try to get out of you what's not in you. But what is in you, whatever the amount is, it belongs to God. And it, it should be used to glorify God. It's wonderful that we come together under the Ignite ministry. And we're able to go out into the community and do these service projects. A person, though, who would dare to be a servant of God must be found faithful. That means consistent. Consistent in our service. Serving God is not something that we do twice a year, even though it's wonderful that we're able to come together as Ignite. But being faithful means that we serve God, we look for needs and try to fulfill needs and share the gospel of Jesus Christ daily in our lives as individuals. The first two servants were faithful in God's business. And God blessed them by saying, well done. And then he said to enter into the joy of the Lord. But what about the other servant? He buried his talent because he was afraid that if he used it, when his Lord returned, he wouldn't have anything to show for it. Isn't that amazing? He was afraid that if he used his talent, that it would be wasted. And so he buried it. Some of us are that same way. We're afraid that if we invest in people, it'll be a waste of our time, a waste of our money, a waste of our wisdom, a waste of our abilities, a waste of our resources. We're burying our talents. But not only that, some of us are afraid that there's not enough of us as individuals to make a difference. We say, well, I'm just one person. I don't have very much. I can't do very much. You're wasting your talent. Everybody is responsible for glorifying God in your life. Everybody. God shows us in this parable that those excuses are unacceptable to him. He puts expectations on the servant with little talent, just like he did the servant with many talents. It doesn't matter if you're the project manager or the water boy. It doesn't matter if you're the pastor or the parishioner. It doesn't matter if you're the general or the troop. God has given every one of us talents and he expects every one of us to use those talents to glorify him. As I reflected last night on what took place yesterday. All the people who showed up, all the projects that were completed, all the work was, that was done, the eloquent statement of gratitude from the principal, all the projects that got completed. And I asked myself two questions. The first one was, is anybody sore? I, I think I exercised some muscles I forgot I had. But seriously, the, 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 the question I ask myself is, what exactly did we do? What exactly 
did we do yesterday? You know, the first job that I took when I got there yesterday morning was I got my lawnmower off the truck and I took it around to the back and I cut the grass on the back. You know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about how in two weeks there will be no evidence that I was ever there. The flagpole that was painted yesterday, they did a wonderful job with that, by the way. But the flagpole that was painted, eventually it's going to rust again. The tiles that we replaced, the ones that we put up are eventually going to look the same way. I'm not saying that what we did was pointless. It most certainly was not. What I am saying is if that we don't use yesterday as a doorway for opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we haven't done anything lasting. Our service must glorify God by revealing to lost souls the plan of salvation, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus was the ultimate servant of God. He fed the hungry. He clothed the naked. He healed the sick. But all the while he was saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was saying, go and sin no more. He was saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Luke tells us that there were citizens of the nobleman who hated him and said, we will not have this man to reign over us. But when the nobleman returned, he said, those enemies who would not have me to reign over them, bring them here and slay them before me. When people reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, and refuse to become his servants, we must warn them that hell is real. And when that day comes, when the king returns, the day of mercy will be passed. We have to warn people about hell. If people end up in hell, may it not be because they didn't hear about Jesus Christ. We have the gospel. We have the cure for what ails them. May we be about the business of our Father, sharing and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. The disciple Thomas refused to believe in the resurrected Jesus until he had seen him with his own eyes. We must warn people that if you wait until you see him, it's too late. If you are in that condition then you don't have a light to shine. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, then you are yet lost in your sin. I invite you to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, to put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I know you're a good person. I know that you treat people right. I know that you... Uh, you don't curse and you don't smoke and you don't drink. I know that you have good qualities. But the word of God says that all of our righteousnesses is as filthy rags without Jesus Christ. We are lost without him. And it is only his shed blood 
that will give us a ticket into the kingdom. That is it. Nothing else. Not your works. In closing, the principles that we learn in this parable is that all our abilities come from God. And we should be using them to glorify God. We learn that even if we think we don't have much to give, even the little bit that we do have, we should be giving it to Christ. We learn that we must warn people about the danger of rejecting the king. But perhaps the most important truth we see in this parable is that the nobleman said he was coming back and he was true to his word. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you and I will come again to receive you unto myself. We don't know the day or the hour, but our king is coming back. Jesus Christ shall return. Matthew 24 and 46 says, blessed is the servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. Is your light shining? I'll leave you with that question. Is your light shining?